Tuesday, June 8th. Do you know where your monsters are? Mine are right here on the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I'm your host, writer, producer, Derek M. Cook. Welcome to the show. A big show. We got a lot to talk about this week. First, let's talk a little bit about the song that opened up this episode of the podcast. It's the song Atomic Surf. It's from the band The Old Jack. It's from their album Tsunami. They're a surf band based out of Brazil. You can check them out over at surfmusictheoldjack.bandcamp.com and check out the entire album. Five bucks, seven songs. Heck of a deal. Some great music. Big thanks to them for letting us play their music here on the show. Now we've got some feedback, got a couple of voicemails, and we have two conversations. I've got a conversation with Stephen D. Sullivan because we just can't stop talking about The Mummy. Right before it comes out, Steve and I are going to talk one more time about Dark Universe. But before that, I've got some new people coming on the show. People that have never been on Monster Kid Radio that I've always wanted to have on Nick Brown and Fiona Young-Brown. You might know them from the B-Movie cast. You might know Nick from his fiction. You might know him from the B-Movie Man website. We're going to talk to them about their upcoming book, the B-Movie Cookbook. We're going to do that after this voicemail. Hey, Derek. This is Mark Bailey of the New York City Giant Monster Attack Map, and I wanted to give you a bit of feedback on episode 320. It's very cool to hear another legendary giant monster movie director being recognized on your show. Very cool. He's up there with other legendary giant monster directors like Ashiro Honda and June Fukuda. Yes, I'm talking about Nathan Duran winning the 2017 Monster Rally Retro Award for Best Director of 1952. I think it was for the Black House. So, uh, this very gifted man directed Monster Kid classics such as Attack of the 50-Foot Woman, Black Castle, 20 Million Miles to Earth, The Brain from Planet Arrows, John Agar fans, anybody? Jack the Giant Killer, The Deadly Mantis, Seven Forge of Sinbad, First Men on the Moon, based on an H.G. Wells novel. Three of these films were in close collaboration with Ray Harryhausen and Charles H. Schneer. And he also, Nathan Duran, did a little bit of work on television for Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, Lost in Space, and Land of the Giants. So thanks again for celebrating this great man, and keep up the great work. Bye-bye. That was Mark Bailey from the New York City Giant Monster Attack map. I had him on the show not too long ago, at the end of April, in episode 316. Go check out the archives at monsterkidradio.net. He was calling about the Rally Awards, and yeah, Nathan Duran did win a Rally Award last year. Well, we announced the results this year because of technical issues, but the 2016 Monster Rally Retro Awards, he was a winner. Nathan Duran... You know, you associate him mostly with Harryhausen, I think. But when you look at his filmography and look at everything he's done, Attack of the 50-Foot Woman, The Deadly Mantis, there's a lot of non-Harryhausen in here as well. All really, really good stuff. And listeners, if you haven't checked out Mark's New York City Giant Attack map, you need to. It's really cool. Now, the Rally Awards, the Monster Kid Radio Monster Rally Retro Awards is where we honor the best in genre cinema from three decades. This year, we're doing 1933, 1943, and 1953. You can get to the ballot by going to tinyurl.com slash rallies2014. I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes. The deadline for your ballot this year is June 
30th. And then Steve Sullivan and I will go over the winners shortly after that. Now, I have another voicemail here, but it's about the Dark Universe, so I'm going to play that later on. First, I want to get with Nick and Fiona and talk about their book, The B-Movie Cookbook, and a few other things. You know, we're going to play the Classic Five with them. That happens right after this. It's coming. The world's craziest fun and fright show, The Lemon Grove Kids Meet the Monster. It's so scary, so crazy, we dare you to see it. We dare you to see The Lemon Grove Kids Meet the Monsters. The screen's funniest and wildest teenagers in the craziest fun and fright show you've ever seen. Weird and frightening movie monsters. Not only on the screen, but in the audience, alive and in person. See the horrifying mad mummy come to life and go into the audience to get you. We warn you, don't come if you're chicken. This show is not for sissies. If you're not afraid, be sure to see the world's craziest fun and fright show, The Lemon Grove Kids Meet the Monster. A thousand and one laughs, thrills, and chills. In widescreen and Eastman color. It's all new. The creature walks among us, more terrifying in human form. Striking at the heart of the city with inhuman fury. The creature walks among us. Horror unleashed by the daring of man and a dangerous experiment of science. I have burned away the outer scale. There's a structure of human skin underneath it. The creature walks among us. The grimmest cargo ever brought to civilization. Now a monster made even more frightful by human emotions. Boss Merle Oberon, Lex Barker in The Price of Fear. Two great thrill pictures on one program. This is Julia Adams, and you are listening to Monster Kid Radio. Have a good time. Monster Kid Radio listeners, I am thrilled. I've got somebody on the show that I've wanted to have on my podcast since I first launched it. Now, I have recorded with him briefly in person at a convention years ago, but I finally have Nick Brown on Monster Kid Radio, and he's not alone. I've got his better half, his wife, Fiona. Welcome to Monster Kid Radio, guys. Hey, thanks, Derek. Hi, Derek. And I have to say, when you said the intro, I thought you were going to start with Fiona because, you know, that's who I'd want to have on the show. <laughs> she got the big thumbs up for calling me the better half. <laughs> hey, I know how it works, man. I'm married. I get it. <laughs> How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. It has been way too long since I've actually talked to you. And, and yeah, I think you were saying before we recorded in person the last time we saw each other, and I saw you too, Viona, although you were working a lot at Monster Bash. It's been About years. Three years ago, I think. Yep. So, uh, no, and I grade times by what I was working on. So, yeah, you were right. I was working on a book at the time. That's dedication, ladies and gentlemen, right there at Monster Bash, surrounded by monsters and monster kids, but still slaving away at a keyboard. <laughs> it's called Deadlines, I think, also. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Don't confuse the dedication for Deadline. Got it. Note to self. 
Well, I haven't been to Monster Bash in years either, but by the time this goes out, listeners will know that I will be at Monster Bash this year. You guys will be at Monster Bash this year. The Monsters will be at Monster Bash this year. It's going to be a good time. I think it's going to be a great time. And I mean, I've heard that a lot of uh, B-MovieCast listeners and uh, Monster Kid Radio listeners are going to be there too, including Richard, not from Wichita now. So I'm looking forward to meeting him. You know how hard it is to not call him that every time I have him on my show or I talk to him. I know he's the monster movie kid now, but yeah. there's always going to be a part of him that's Richard from Wichita, just like I'm always going to be Brother D to a lot of people. I get it. Well, that's it. You know, and I'm always going to be Nick. Wait. Anyway. <laughs> we wouldn't have you any other way, sir. <laughs> so, listeners, if you uh, aren't familiar, Nick mentioned the B-Movie cast. Nick got into podcasting through the B-Movie cast, which was a show founded by our dear friend, the late Vince Rotolo, who is now a member of the Monster Kid Hall of Fame. Yep. Very excited about that, too, by the way. Very, very thrilled that it finally happened. The only thing that would have made it better if it happened while he was still here to enjoy it, but he probably would have kind of poo-pooed the whole thing just because that's the kind of guy he is yeah. or was but no he, he's in there now nick is still carrying on the b-movie cast with juan and his wife mary and fiona have you been on any episodes of the b-movie cast lately yeah i did one a few months ago was it um what we do under the stairs yeah um, no uh, no what we do in the shadows <laughs> see i i love the movie so much i don't remember the name but i do actually love the movie um the new zealand vampire mockumentary one Okay, <laughs> what we do under the stairs sounds like a slightly different movie. I was going to say, that's uh, that was My like... head is a strange play. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're married to Nick. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing for that, Derek. Sorry. So, not to throw you under the bus. I'm just saying, or under the stairs. Just, you know. Anyway, <laughs> so we have a reason why we have you guys on the show, but. Before we get to that, I mentioned before we started recording, there's a surprise that I have in store. Listeners of Monster Kid Radio know that I have a game that I like to play here on Monster Kid Radio with first-time guests. Uh-oh. It helps listeners get to know the people that we have on the show. We call it the Classic Five, and I've got a deck of cards here. Let me give it a, one more shuffle. Okay. And th- this is a real shuffle. This is not just a sound effect thrown in here. All right, this deck of cards. Each card has a question on it. A this or that, yes or no style question all about classic monster movies. There's no wrong answer, but we're going to go through five of these cards, ask you guys some questions, and get you introduced to the listeners. You ready to play Classic Five with Monster Kid Radio? We are. Go. Okay, and, and both of you get to play here. So card number one, question number one, what do you prefer? The Incredible Shrinking Man or The Amazing Colossal Man? Fiona? Tough one, but I'd have to say I like giant women but for men incredible shrinking men just because there's that great scene with you know bugs and spiders and things taking i am gonna go the opposite route i like the amazing colossal man because it's bird eye gordon and there's that awesome scene where he just skewers a guy with a giant hypodermic needle and <laughs> and what more could jazz for in that right and he's gonna be at monster bash right oh that's right bird eye gordon's gonna be there so I'll have to take, your get, take my giant hypodermic. Okay, do you know how bad that makes me sound right now, dear? <laughs> it's, for, for, for the record, I'm not a needle person. <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine bringing a giant hypodermic needle on the airplane with me from Oregon to the Monster Bash. I'm trying to figure out how that would work. Uh, I, at this point, I think the TSA is going to make us all fly naked and blindfolded anyway, so don't worry about it. Which is a completely different kind of experience. That's, that's <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, card number two. Christopher Lee or Bela Lugosi? Ooh, that's a tough 
I like them both, but I'm going to have to go for Bella just because every time we watch Plan 9 from out of space, I just feel so bad for him. Oh, God, I know, hon. So Bella gets my sympathy vote. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. And and I'm going to go for Christopher Lee, and this is not to Are say... Are you noticing a trend I, here? I, I know. This is this is really actually surprising <laughs> me, but... Um, I'm going for Christopher Lee, and I tell you the main reason for that is I'm thinking of Dracula, and I love both of them as that. But See, I, I love Bella. But I just I also have this soft spot for Lee in so many other movies. I just have to go with that one. So there we go. All right. So can we keep the streak alive here with each one of them picking a different answer? Here's the third card: the Son of Kong. Or Son of Godzilla. I haven't seen either. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, my God. Well, that's okay. And I'm kicked off the show forever. Oh, and no. I was going to say this is... This. Although, I would have to say that Son of Godzilla sounds way too much like the Godzuki cartoon that I grew up with in the 80s, so that could be a dangerous <laughs> I have not seen either. I cannot. Okay. I, I have seen both, and I'm going to say that I'll go Son of Godzilla. The mightiest monster the world has ever known. The mightiest egg the world has ever known. Introducing the Son of Godzilla. The fantastic red water. One of the many weird natural phenomena on mysterious Sorgel Island. scientific experiment begins. Try another frequency. What is it? Hmm? It seems as though something's jamming the wavelengths. Son of Godzilla, a rollicking monster spectacular. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. <laughs> Card number four. What classic monster movie would you like to see turned into a theme park attraction? Ooh. Oh, that's so many folded so many. I mean, you could... Uh, I've already got mine. You go, because I'm... The blob. See, my first thought was the blob, where people are just have no idea where a giant blob is going to appear at any point. Oh, I was thinking they jump know. into th- it. Well, yeah, you could find <laughs> Blob Central Pool. <laughs> Every one of you watching this screen, look out. Because soon, very soon, the most horrifying monster menace ever conceived will be oozing into this theater. Well, all I'm thinking, though, is you're going to have some idiot drown. (laughs) There's always somebody, exactly, somebody's got to spoil the blob. So (laughs) what's your alternative Uh, to the blob? Well, the blob, I don't know, you'd also have to have Steve McQueen walking around like an old man. Um, yeah, world's oldest teenager. You think, what else could you have other than the blob? I don't know, there's so many good ones. I keep coming back to some horrific Plan 9, Ed Wood, Star <laughs> World. Somehow Plan 9 has invaded my brain this morning. Like, <laughs> how absolutely awful that would be. What about like a Plan 9 haunted house? The Plan 9, you know, tunnel of love. Oh. All the guys have to wear Angora sweaters. 
They've come from the bowels of hell, a transformed race of walking dead, zombies guided by a master plan for complete domination of the Earth. Plan 9 from outer space. Yeah, you know, the guys have to wear Angora sweaters, you know, the women have to fall down repeatedly whenever they, whenever you're trying to do anything. Incidentally, anyone listening, don't you dare steal these ideas because this is an incredible theme park in the making. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll get that checkbook out and write that hundred million right now, I'll tell you what. <laughs> Everybody watch for the Kickstarter campaign that they'll be launching soon to fund Plan 9, the theme park. Yeah. <laughs> All right, final question. Favorite Ray Harryhausen creation? Ooh. You already know my answer to this one, Nick. So, Medusa. Straightforward, simple. As a, a curly-haired girl growing up, Medusa is just my icon because one day I want to have snakes in my hair and, you know, and yeah, I, I feel <laughs> one with her. She was just misunderstood because she was having a bad hair day. Yeah. I can totally, <laughs> I can totally get that. I tell you, my favorite, I think, has to be the mirror, the creature from 20 million miles to Earth. Yeah, and I think I'm saying it right, but it's hard to know how to say something that starts with a Y and ends with an M-I-R. <laughs> so, Fair enough. You know. Fair enough. Well, hey, that's the Classic Five. How do you guys feel? I'm tired. You pa- oh, like I said, no right or wrong answers. It does sound like you might have some talking or counseling you need to do after the show, though. You know, this Lee Lagosi thing. I don't know. I know, and I think uh, I think actually we just need to go watch some King Kong and Godzilla movies, too, Fiona. I'm just saying. Maybe one baby ones <laughs> <laughs> you know what i should have asked you though is what your favorite 1950s b-movie is because you guys have a book coming up the b-movie cookbook tell me about this book this is awesome when did we come up with the idea how did we come up with the I idea i don't remember we sort of talked about it years ago because i think every time i watched the blog i'd say to you that reminds me i need to make a blanc yeah, <laughs> I, I think that's and, it. And it kind of just, I don't know, and then one day you said, well, what else would you make? And I think it kind of took off from there. Yeah. And then it, but then it was always one of those things that we kind of talked about with just a few movies, and then I think it was about a year, a year and a half ago, we decided, okay, let's actually do this. Yeah. And we took, let's pick a certain number of movies and meals and so on. And I'll be honest, I think the hardest part and I can say this because I didn't have to come up with the recipes or cook them. Uh, the hardest part, I think, was coming up <laughs> with movies. You know, which movies to do. Because initially we were we were a wide open field. We just said it was going to be a B-movie cookbook. So that could have been anything. And then I think eventually we realized we needed to narrow it down to the 1950s. I think most of them, we come up with kind of so many movies from the 50s and then one or two from the 60s. So we figured... Let's just narrow it down and make it one decade, which, of course, then set Nick off with, yeah, and then we can have volume two and volume three for the 70s and the 80s. And I think, let's see how volume one does first with the 1950s. But, yeah, we we came up with that, and we actually really sat down and started working on it in earnest about a year ago. Mm -hmm. Well, let's put it this way. By the time this podcast airs, I'm hoping we have our proof copy back from the publisher, and we should be bringing it with us to the uh, Monster Bash. Ooh, okay. So for any of those listeners who made advanced orders, 
we will be refunding shipping costs at the event if we uh, are able to bring them to the event. So, oh wow! So you get a little skin back there, buddy. Just saying. There you, there you go. Well, listeners of the B Movie Cast know that Nick is an author. He's got a number of books, a lot of them werewolf flavored under his belt. He, he's been doing a lot. But Fiona, you've also been writing. You've got some. Uh, Kentucky books, books about Lexington, and then of course the culinary history of Kentucky as well. So, did you you brought the recipe and the cooking side, and then before we started recording, Nick said you were the mouth. No, I'm. Wow, the mouth. That's, that's what I meant. Well, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. Boy, that came out way wrong, didn't it? <laughs> wow. Nick wow. said he was the mouth. He was the mouth. I'm going to blame this on the allergy meds. That's what. I- <laughs> okay, I, I'm just going to say I had to jump in on that because I could not. <laughs> I, I didn't want her to punch you right in the face. <laughs> Here's your shipping costs. And by the way. <laughs> No, uh, Nick is the mouth. Fiona is the cook. Did I get that right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. That's, that's much better. I've written a bunch of books, and somehow a lot of them ended up around Kentucky, and then one, actually, I think last time we saw each other at the Monster Bash, that was the one I was working on then, the um, culinary history of Kentucky. Um, and so just a lot of interest in food, um, food from where I'm been on various travels and then food history as well and so they all kind of tied in nicely with this one this was a nice chance for us to kind of combine our interests food movies eating nick is good at eating and enjoys eating so it just worked out (laughs) yeah that's that's pretty obvious for anybody who looks at my waistline um hey no judgment man this is a safe place it's all good (laughs) um and i think I think one of the other things is Fiona has a really broad interest in food. And in fact, she just started a uh, food and travel blog called British food and travel.com. Oh, okay. Which I, also, what that's about. I wonder what it's about. Indeed. I think it's about German food. So, huh. you know, <laughs> I'm looking at the cover of the book and I think I can place most of these movies. I'm thrilled that I'm seeing a little bit of Hammer films represented here. Is that Revenge of Frankenstein I'm seeing there? In the year 1860, I, Baron Frankenstein, was sentenced to death on the guillotine. Why? Why had the world condemned me? Because I was the first man to create another living being. The first unnatural man, but because his brain was affected, because he could not control his animal instincts, he was hunted down and brutally murdered. But I have escaped the guillotine, and I shall avenge the death of my creation. That's one that I didn't think a lot of people would get. You know, it's it's funny. I we had, figured that we had to have because at first we realized most of the movies were sort of had an American slant. Other, you know, obviously there's Godzilla with and without Raymond Burr, but yeah, you have to have a Hammer movie. Yeah, we we had to do a Hammer, and we decided we wanted to do a Hammer movie that wasn't necessarily one of the big ones and now revenge of frankenstein's a big one don't get me wrong but you know it wasn't the first frankenstein it wasn't the first christopher lee dracula 
this was something a little bit more off the beaten path, and we didn't always go for the obvious films. Plus, I have a soft spot for Peter Cushing because of where I'm from. Oh, that's true. You want to tell about that? Yeah. Yeah. Peter Cushing lived um, a couple of towns along from where I grew up. So actually last time we went to the little tea rooms where he'd always go and sat and had tea there. And Nick kind of, there were two women sitting at his, at Peter Cushing's usual table while Nick kind of loomed over them to take pictures. (laughs) That doesn't sound creepy at all. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, I didn't make them at all nervous. I'm sure they were quite happy to have some, American guy in a Hawaiian shirt hanging out over the wall every year. <laughs> hey, listeners of Monster Kid Radio know that I've also got a soft spot for Peter Cushing. Uh, he's just, we're on Team Cushing over here, so I, I totally get it. Revenge of Frankenstein is actually one of my favorite sequels of all time, so of course I'm going to recognize that. I'm drawn right to it. Excellent. I'm also seeing the robot from Forbidden Planet, though, so I'm guessing there's a recipe for 60 gallons of whiskey in this thing. Uh, actually, that would have. <laughs> <laughs> we had the movie, sadly, the whiskey. Um, we drank it before we could save the recipe. Uh, oh, that was really good. <laughs> yeah. but Well, and you know, it's funny you brought that one up because we really wanted to do Forbidden Planet because that's one of our favorites for both of us. And at the same time... That was probably one of the hardest... It was. In terms of food. Because they didn't eat anything in that daggone movie. You know, they didn't talk about food. They didn't eat. All they did was booze up. And so we uh, we decided to go for the id on that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, wow. So it's uh, decadent desserts. With alcohol. With alcohol. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now I'm really curious to get my hands on this. <laughs> yeah, so... And and that's one of the things, the uh, recipes that we came up with, and by we I mean Fiona, are <laughs> very, well, they're based around the movie, but it may be in reference to something that is eaten in the movie, something that's talked about in the movie, or something that fits with the general movie's theme. So, okay. you know, it's, it's kind of broad, but we were able to tie something in for all of the movies that we did. And that said, we actually abandoned a couple of films that we were planning to do just because we either felt like we had too much of that food or... Yeah, there were a lot of sea monster movies at one point. Yeah, we were, uh, you know, we were looking at, it's like, how many times can we serve squid? Eh, Maybe we better cut that one. And, uh, you know, it's tarantula. I didn't want to cook a spider. So I, we really weren't sure what we could do for that one. So we kind of skipped Tarantula. Okay. <laughs> so that was kind of tough. But that was originally on our list. And I think that was one of the first things we had to do after we decided to do the 1950s was come up with that then list. Out exact, okay, pick, up a li- pick a list of the actual movies, but then figure out what were we going to do for each of them. Yeah. That took a while. We made it a rule. We watched the movie and then figured out what it was. Even though we'd seen... I'd seen every one of the movies we did. I think, Fiona, you've seen I've about seen most of them. Yeah. But we uh, we really, we would watch the movie with new eyes. And it's funny to sit. Sitting and, there taking frantic notes anytime they mention food or what eating. Yeah. It's really different to watch a movie when you're paying attention for something specific. And, you know, that's uh, that was fun. <laughs> So no spiders, but I am seeing a giant ant on the cover here. 
Yeah, and we did come up with some stuff themed around them. I tell you, gentlemen, science has agreed that unless something is done and done quickly, man as the dominant species of life on Earth will be extinct within a year. You know, among other things, like sugar. And from talking right now, it's going to make it sound like this is a book of nothing but desserts. Um, <laughs> that is absolutely not the case. There are a lot of desserts in there, don't get me wrong. It's that really good. very nice, made, fancy main meals you can impress your date with. Very fancy. Actually, <laughs> I'm going to say this without a doubt. One of the dishes, and Fiona made it for the movie From Hell It Came, I think that was probably my favorite chicken I've ever had. Period. On the skewers. Creature of unholy vengeance, born in the heart of a man unjustly condemned to death. In death I shall be stronger than you in life. I will come back from hell and make you pay for your crimes. The tree monster. Oh, now, Norgu, I know about cannibalistic flowers, but this tree monster is utterly unbelievable. Dr. Mason, you are wise lady. But there are many things even the wisest of us do not know. Land of superstition, terror, and violent hatred. <coughs> where beneath the surface of the Polynesian islands, the earth gives grotesque and terrible birth to a monstrous creature, sworn to kill and torture and destroy. I beg you. Pull up the roots so it will die before it murders everyone. You know what? I have an eerie feeling that this thing knows what we're saying. I'm trying to figure out how Chicken and From Hell It Came works together. Actually, you'd be amazed you how easy. Watch the movie? There are chickens running around when they're killing the dude. <laughs> this is huh, a, okay. a Polynesian yeah. island in a redneck's backyard, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> You know, chickens and tabangas and oh man! Yeah, we have a Polynesian inspired chicken. Okay, okay, that was some good stuff. And uh, again, we had delicious salmon. Oh, I don't want to give away all the recipes in the book, but and we'll let you figure out where the salmon goes. Well, I mean, you'll figure it out when you get the book, but (laughs) (laughs) there was a really good salmon dish too. So the format of the book, is it just a handful of recipes or are there a little bit about the films as well? How is it laid out? Um, well, actually, it's funny you mentioned that. That's what I've been working on diligently for the past week or so is actually finishing the layout after we got everything written. And uh, what we're doing, we're taking each film has a chapter and it starts with a summary of the film, uh, you know, a short synopsis of what happens in it. Uh, it has, you know, some of the production credits, but not a lot of them. And then I also went in and found some trivia about each of the movies, you know, just a few, a few little fun facts to throw in. And so that's the first half of each chapter. And then the second half is two to, I think God, one chapter had like four or five recipes. Okay. Yeah. It, it varies based on the... And a little bit about what inspired the recipes, why those recipes did that movie. Yeah, so... You, okay. So, you know, why are you having a fancy roast uh, chicken dinner with uh, Revenge of Frankenstein, for example? Well, we kind of explain that in the book. Uh, we also explain why there's a Reuben sandwich and a chocolate malt in the blob, you know, among other things. <laughs> I can see the chocolate malt real easy. 
I'd have to go back and rewatch the blob for the Ruben sandwich reference, but darn, I have to watch the blob again. I oh, know. No. <laughs> and, and you know, the blob is going to be at the monster bash, by the way, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. I think so. Well, yeah. usually it always coincides in the with the blob fest. Blob fest. Yeah. I think this is, yeah, that's slightly different. Well, and honestly, that would be good planning on their part because the Blob Fest is going to draw a lot of people who want to go. Yes, a lot of the same crowd. So good planning. But yeah, so anyway, with that's, you know, that's how we kind of come up with the, the recipes. And then, you know, we've got some, uh, our good friend Mark Mauston helped us out with a few of the movie posters. Oh, good. Uh, for the book. And, and, a few uh, and, a few, and we have some, we have some pictures of Ray Harryhausen that Mark has, well, has provided that you won't see published anywhere else. So very okay. excited about that. It's some of Ray and some of, uh, Ray's creations. And we did only, we ended up only doing one Ray Harryhausen movie. Uh, for the book, but that's okay because but that was tricky. That, we had about three that we wanted to do. Yeah, and we ended up narrowing it down because we wanted to give it good focus. Well, again, I'm going back to the cover and I'm seeing a, a nice mix. We've got Kaiju, we got Harryhausen, we got Ed Wood, we got Paul Blaisdell, we got Hammer Films, uh, we got Universal because I see the creature back there because you know I, I can't miss the creature. You know, I, I see a werewolf on the cover, which I'm sure. This would not be a Nick Brown book without a werewolf on the cover. <laughs> I was going to say that—that's actually a typo. We're going to—we're going to white out uh, the teenage werewolf because I don't like werewolves at all. Oh man, really? That's too bad. Because I heard. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Maybe I like them a little. Just a little bit. <laughs> Michael Landon in a powerful performance as the boy possessed. Yvonne Lyon, appealing as the girl who loves him. Whit Bissell, unforgettable as the scientist maddened by the mystery of the werewolf. And Tony Marshall, a tough, friendly enemy. These are official pictures? Yes, Chief. Slash on either side of the throat. You got any theories? Bangs. He was killed with a werewolf. Oh, it looks like a nice mix of movies here. I'm excited for it. Now, I'm a vegetarian, and I'm eager to just see what you've come up with, the creativity behind the the foods and the movies. And Nick, you said there's summaries of the movies in here. And I think one of the things you're known for in the potosphere are your amazing summaries and plot synopsis of the B-Movie cast. So they have that in written form. That's going to be exciting, I think. And I think we have... Well, one of the movies it, has a vegetarian it, menu. It so. conquered the world is vegetarian. Oh, yep. okay. So, and there are vegetarian dishes in there also, but uh, it conquered the world. I don't think there's any meat at all in any of the dishes. For no, that. and also there's a Peter Cushing recipe for Revenge of Frankenstein because Peter Cushing was a vegetarian, and so we share one of his recipes. Yeah. Oh, favorite dishes. Yeah. So. Oh wow. Yeah. So. So there's some there's some good stuff in there. Yeah, like I said, we're very very pleased to have been able to put this book together, and it's taken us about a year to do it. But at the same time, we did it, and and it's funny because we had actually started to approach some publishers about it because we've had some interest for a couple of projects we've been talking about, and 
we were pretty sure we could get a publisher interested in this one, but we decided to do the independent publishing route with it ourselves. And part of the reason for that was we didn't want to have somebody else telling us what to be fixing, and we didn't want to have to deal with them for the photography we and the food. To, yeah, we had a very specific idea of what we wanted the cover to be and yeah, we, the layout and everything. And when you give up those rights to a publisher, it really takes away a lot of your creative control over it. And, you know, and that's one thing. When you read this book, and we mentioned this briefly, but I'm going to mention it here too. When you read the book and you're looking at the pictures of the food, most recipe books, the food you're seeing, no human could eat, let alone is edible, because things like whipped cream or ice cream are often replaced with uh, Crisco, for example, you know, lard, because it doesn't melt as fast. So you're able to get it in photos and it looks really good. And a lot of times the food has either been frozen heavily so that it doesn't move or change, or it's been actually sort of painted, if you want to say it, or shellacked. And every piece of food that you see in the book, in a photo, we cooked and ate. Well, we didn't cook everything, because some that you don't cook. But, and you didn't you know. cook anything. What? <laughs> I didn't cook anything. By we, I mean Fiona, but eight, that's mostly me. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so all the photos, that is food that was literally, we hurry and take the pictures so we can eat the stuff. And hurry up, the malt is melting. Hurry up, the cherry sinking in the whipped cream. We got to get the photo. I was going to ask you who is publishing. So you're going completely independent publishing, and that's something you've got experience with with uh, the Werewolf for Hire novels, right, Nick? The independent route. That's right. I've uh, I've independently published all of my uh, novels and my short stories. Fiona has gone the more traditional all of route. Been traditionally, published, yeah. So this is different for me. But. So it's different for Fiona. It's it's. I don't want to say it's old hat for me, but it's. It's the way I've been going, and I'm I'm very happy, actually, with the independent publishing route. I will say this has proven to be much more challenging in terms of preparing the uh, manuscript for publishing, because in the past, it's just been straight up, here's words on a page. There's only so much you have to do to format that, whereas with uh, the B-Movie Cookbook, we have color photos, we have you know, sidebars with fun facts. We have, you know, recipes. We have the story portions. And, you know, it's it's proven to be a real challenge to get that formatted into an acceptable form to actually have for publishing. So that's been a big a bigger project for me than I thought it was going to be, actually. Wow. And it's a full-color book, color photos, huh? Mm-hmm. Full-color photos and... As you've seen, the cover is a full cover, artist rendering cover, but I like it. That's, uh, we knew what we wanted as far as what, what image type we wanted, but we hadn't decided what style we wanted it in. And I found an artist on, uh, on a website who basically wants to remain kind of anonymous, but they were willing to do it in a... Disney slash anime style. And okay. and and I told Fiona that and she was worried. 
I'm kind of concerned about the Disney anime description because I thought it may end up looking, I don't know, too kind of cutesy. Yeah. I, I I'm not sure, but it, I, I was actually very pleased when I saw the cover. Yeah. Okay. And I was thrilled and because it really captured exactly the look I wanted, mm-hmm. which which we didn't want it to be too serious, but at the same time we wanted it to be, you know, to convey the whole idea of the B movie, the B, well, the whole idea of B movies and the B movie cookbook and that it's about being fun because at the end of the day, it's about fun films and fun food. And, you know, the two go well together. Well, obviously, there's going to be a link in the show notes so people can check it out. But with your permission, I'd like to use a version, of, you know, use this graphic as the episode cover title or cover image for this episode of the podcast as well, just so listeners can see it. And then, of course, a link back to the website so they, they can order it. If that's all right with you guys, oh, that would yes, please. That's we're very proud of that cover, I and mean, we're proud of the book too. So feel free to use it. And if listeners do go to the website, by the way, uh, bmoviecookbook.com. Uh, there is a uh, no shameless plug there, by the way. Um, there, there are a few a few photos of the food, some of the food from the book. I don't really put much much, if any, description with them because I want that to be something that's in the book. But I decided to include a few photos, and I'll let you guys, if you click on the photos, figure out what movie they go with. I think some of them, <laughs> some are less obvious. <laughs> So. By less obvious, you mean you did not put a figure of a particular monster right next to the piece of food, so you can't really, yeah, okay. Yeah, there, there's that. You know, and, uh, you know, and, and it was funny, when we were staging the uh, photos for this, that was a real challenge for us, too, figuring out how we wanted to display the different foods. Because some we just wanted to really focus on the food, but others we figured, you know what, add little kitschy touches and things. Yeah. This is a fun thing. I mean, there's a couple of them where we actually uh, managed to set it up where we had a still from the movie as our backdrop. And then... uh, And let's just say that our Amazon shopping list is now very skewed because in the last six months we've ordered everything from ants to B-movie victim figures to... (laughs) Oh, God. Mini graveyard scenes and yeah, we it's it's been interesting. So you know, as you go through the book, you'll see there's a lot of uh, the photos aren't. It's obvious that we're not taking them all in exactly the same place, and that's you know that's kind of good too. And we're I I've been really pleased with how well we were able to set all that stuff up. And again, remember when we were doing this, it's like hurry up, it's getting cold. So we had to we had to have it set, staged, film it, and then eat it because that was dinner. <laughs> and and we did have a couple of dishes that turned out less than stellar that we ended up changing because one one of them we had to completely change uh, baked Alaska because doing a baked Alaska first of all for two people. It baked Alaska is more of a, hey, let's all get together and eat this for dinner. 
But, right. but and yeah. we still made it, and then realized it wasn't going to photograph well. But then felt as if we needed to eat most of it. So I think that was a day we spent the rest of the week in a sugar coma from trying to eat an entire baked Alaska. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, so that week, nothing got done on the book. Just kind of. <laughs> no, no, but everything else we worked on, we did really fast because we were <laughs> like. <laughs> Well, I'm excited for the book, and uh, like you said, you, you want to have it hopefully done by Monster Bash, but if not by then, sometime this summer, it looks like, is the ultimate goal, right? Yeah. I'm very confident that I'm going to have them for Monster Bash, so, uh, you know, because if there's one place Juan has said, hey, drop some off on the uh, Fifth Dimension Films table, and uh, so I'm going to totally take him up on that, because, I mean... Hey, we're going to have, you know, Rico Browning from Creature from the Black Lagoon is going to be there. The Blob itself is going to be there. And both of those films are featured in the book. So I would hate to miss. Is Victoria Price going to be there? I don't remember if she's going to be there or not. You're right. But yeah, because, uh, yeah. I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of good tie-ins, so we definitely want to try and have it there this year. So you could probably get Rico to actually sign a copy of the book since, you know, the Gilman's on the cover, but I think you'll probably have a hard time getting the blob to sign. I just, I hear he charges a lot. Yeah. writing is just terrible. I know. It's uh, it's just a stain on the page. It's awful. It comes back all sticky and then, yeah, you know. (laughs) That could be a whole marketing thing. We just smack strawberry jam on the cover and say it's the same thing. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Brilliant! Write that down! Oh, you're going to edit that out, of course, right? Well, I'm thinking you can just, like, you know, prepare a, a big pan of, like, jello and just submerge the book into it. And then you're good. There's your blob copy of the book. Ooh. So, Nick, you mentioned a website for the B-Movie Cookbook, but all of your stuff's at the bmovieman.com website, which, again, link in the show notes. And from here, you can find links to all of your books and everything that you've got going on, a link to the B-Movie cast. Fiona is at fionayoungbrown.com, but you mentioned a blog earlier that you just started. Where do people find that? That is britishfoodandtravel.com. Well, I'll make sure there's a link to that as well, then. But thanks again for having us on, Derek. Oh, this was great. I can't wait. I can't wait for the book, and I can't wait to see you guys. It's going to be a long month between now and the bash. Head over to bmovieman.com to find Nick's website. There's links to everything that he's got going on over there, including a link for you to pre-order your copy of the B-Movie Cookbook written in Taste Around. I can't wait to flip through it at Monster Bash. Looking forward to seeing it in person. It's a full-color book. And hey, I'm a vegetarian, and I'm still looking forward to checking out this book. I mean, this looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. And Nick knows his stuff. He's been a long-time co-host of the B-Movie cast. In fact, the B-Movie cast is still continuing with him and Mary Rotolo, who's also going to be at the Monster Bash. So check out bmovieman.com or bmoviecast to follow up on that website. And I'll play an ad for that here in a little bit. And then Fiona's upcoming project, BritishFoodAndTravel.com. I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes to that as well. Nick, Fiona, thanks for being part of the show. And I can't wait to see you at Monster Bash as of this recording. What is it? Just over two weeks? Do you enjoy movies like Carnival of Souls, The Mole People, Black Sunday, and The Tingler? Do you find yourself late at night reading magazines such as Film Max, Chiller Theater, 
or Monster Bash? Do you love vintage television programs like Sky King, Outer Limits, and The Time Tunnel? Do you find yourself surfing the net looking for the next monster movie festival or expo? Do you enjoy hearing anecdotes, cinematic details, and unusual insights into some of your favorite movies? If you answered yes to any of the above, you are encouraged to join your host, Vince Rotolo, as he examines some of the latest horror, sci-fi, and cult theatrical releases, new DVDs to add to your collection, and of course, the old classics, both good and bad. He even interviews people throughout B-Moviedom. So tune in to B-MovieCast at bmoviecast.com. But the room was quiet. Had it been a nightmare? What woke him? Was the candle in the antique mirror moving? Was there something standing by the curtains? Was he mad? The Crimson Cult. So terrifying they won't let us tell you about it here. She'd wandered alone. The passageway between the walls was damp and musty. She dropped her candle. And then I heard it. Now she has no head. It happened in Horror House. I was there. A nightmare combination of shock and terror. And you're invited behind forbidden doors. Horror House stars Frankie Avalon and Jill Hayworth. The Crimson Cult features Boris Karloff and Christopher Lee. See them together for the first time, but don't see them alone. Rated GP. I am Dr. Lee Cushing. Welcome to my Chamber of Horrors. Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors is a serialized monster rally novel in the tradition of the classic Universal and Hammer horror films. It's written by Stephen D. Sullivan, the award-winning author of White Zombie, Daikaiju Attack, Manos, The Hands of Fate, and the original chill role-playing game. My goal is to recreate the thrills of the Monster vs. Monster films that we all love. We'll have vampires, werewolves, mummies, psychic twins, and scheming madmen. And that's just in the first storyline. Now you can get Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors and other monster stories sent directly to your email for as little as a dollar a month. For just two dollars, you'll get all the chapters in advance, plus bonus stories and other perks. Sign up now at CushingHorrors.com or visit SDSullivan.com for a Patreon link. I do hope you've enjoyed your visit. Please come again. And remember, the chamber is always waiting for its next victim. I've been trying to work ahead and get as many recordings as I can in the virtual can just so that I've got a lot of material to pull from if there is a week that goes by that I'm not able to record with somebody. And I did that with Steve not too long ago. He and I got together and recorded about the Boris Karloff, Christopher Lee, Barbara Steele film, Curse of the Crimson Altar. Yeah, I know it kind of stirred some conversation on Facebook when I mentioned that I was watching it. And it's not everybody's favorite, but you know what? It's one of mine, and Steve enjoyed it too, and he and I are going to talk about that in the future. Or at least, well, actually, technically, we already did. You'll get to hear that conversation in the near future. But because Steve and I got together and re-recorded, and I can't leave well enough alone, we talked a little bit more about Universal's Dark Universe. Talked a little bit about what we expect going into the movie. This is 
going to be the final word, I guess, on the mummy from Monster Kid Radio before seeing the film. Before we get to that, though, I want to play a voicemail. This came from a new listener. Hi, Derek. How you doing? Uh, my name is Eric, and uh, I'm actually a recent uh, new viewer and or listener. Sorry. And um, yeah, I've been the Monster Kid for a while, and uh, I I wish I'd known about this show earlier, and um, I'm glad I have. I discovered you about a couple weeks ago. And uh, it's just been a joy listening to your podcast. So I'm going through all of them right now. But I did skip ahead to your latest one in regards to the uh, Dark Universe and the Universal Monsters. And I have to say, first of all, that the Universal Monsters are by far my favorite. They hold a special place in my heart, like all of us. It's a very sacred thing, if that's the right word. And um, ever since I heard about this, I, like all of us, I have been hesitant. I try to be optimistic. I really do. I don't want to immediately put something down and and whatnot but you know it's a natural reaction we're it's it's very important to us and we get you know worried concerned um we don't want our childhood um heroes being trashed in the cinema and you know new newer generations and audiences are being exposed to this and we want them to know that no that's that's not frankenstein uh, this is frankenstein this is the mummy this is the creature and so forth but all that aside, I'm trying to be optimistic. Like a lot of you, and or, or I know you mentioned a lot of people who've seen the trailers or been avoiding them. You know, they're they're concerned. The CG's over the top and all that. Still waiting to be uh, optimistic. I just listened to that episode, your last episode about the dark dark universe, and I immediately went on Facebook, and someone shared a review. I know it's from the critics. I try to ignore the critics, but it still gives you an idea. And it was from IndieWire.com, and the headline was, uh, The Mummy is the Worst Tom Cruise Movie Ever. Now, you know, I kind of laugh at that. So I read it, and um, while I don't try to take into account everything critics say, I love my monster movies, a lot of things that were stated in the article um did address some of the concerns that I had, and I believe most of us monster kids have. It's a brutal review. I'm still going to go see it. I'm still going to try to be optimistic, but the concerns I had are addressed in in the review. I think the problem that Universal is having, and and this is this is nothing new. This particular part is that a lot of people think or, or agree even that they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what to make this universe. I know they're trying to compete with, I'm guessing, in a way, they're trying to compete with the Marvel Universe, the DC Universe. They want their own world. It's difficult to take something as classic and iconic as the Universal Monsters and give them, you know, a modern action movie twist. The thing about the classics is that, you know, they were moody, they were eerie, they were somber. You know, there's no light or hope at the end of the tunnel when you're undead or you're cursed. The original films, you know, Boris Karloff, Bela Lugosi, Lon Chaney, Lon Chaney Jr., it was all about those characters, the monsters, and the way they reacted to the world. It wasn't really about how the world reacted to them. And I think that's what we see with not just these remakes, but modern horror in general. It's, it's like, oh, how do we deal with the, with the monster? How do we deal with the slasher killer? Those original horror films, the monsters were the focus. And, you know, Frankenstein... He just wanted to fit in. He wanted to belong. He wanted to be accepted. The creature, that was his home. His home was being invaded, and you know he also fell in love. And same with the family opera. He fell in love. It, it seems like they're missing that. That voicemail from Chris McMillan about his twist, if, he, if you're going to do it modern, you know, 
Dracula versus the Mummy. Yeah, that, that'd be pretty cool. He's got some good ideas there. Eric, thanks for calling in. It's great to hear some new voices in the feedback on the show. Awesome to hear from you. Thank you for listening and good luck going through some of the older episodes. I, I hope that any of the production issues you hear in earlier episodes, you can kind of forgive. It took me a little while to work out some of the kinks. Anyway, thanks for calling in and letting me know about this Indie Wire review. I actually had heard that there were some reviews online saying that The Mummy is probably going to be the worst Tom Cruise movie ever. And I didn't know it was through IndieWire, so I went and checked. I didn't read the review because I want to be as unspoiled as I possibly can, despite the trailers and everything else I've been watching. But I did check to see. The reviewer is a guy by the name of David Ehrlich. And, you know, he's written for IndieWire for quite a while. He covered the Cannes Film Festival quite a bit. But I did find an article that he wrote last month in which he listed the 20 best horror movies of the 21st century. I reviewed that list just to see if I can, I don't know, jive with him a little bit, you know, see where he's coming from. And some of the movies he mentioned I hadn't seen. Some of the movies that he mentioned I, I disagree. I do not think were some of the best horror movies of the 21st century. Some of them were. My wife and I just watched Get Out, and that was a terrifying and emotionally moving and just strike. Oh, just a good movie overall. But his number one movie for the best horror movie of the 21st century, he listed as 28 Days Later. And while I don't necessarily swim in zombie waters anymore, that was one that I felt like was overrated. I hope I don't lose any cred there, but I wasn't a big fan of it. So David's mindset and my mindset are probably going to be a little bit different when it comes to effective horror films. That all said, The Mummy isn't being pitched as a horror movie. I know they're saying it's dark, it's scary, it's the monsters, but it really does look like a Mission Impossible story with some supernatural elements in it. I'm still going to see it. I am trying to figure out which seat to buy tickets for because you can pay for reserved seating at the movie theater my wife and I go to. Yes, I am bringing her along, although there was a moment earlier today when she looked at me with big, doleful, beautiful eyes and asked... I don't really have to go, do I? Because she had also heard some of the negative reviews. But Tom Doffel, who is a friend of the show and has been on quite a few times, convinced her otherwise. So <laughs> we're going to be seeing it this weekend. I'm going to be doing more than likely a special Married with Monsters episode with her in which we talk about The Mummy. Probably will record just a little bit with Tom at the movie theater. I haven't talked to him about that yet, but I think he's kind of accepted that anytime we go see a monster movie together, I'm bringing my portable recorder. So yeah, let's see what happens. And, and here's what Steve and I talked about as well. We already talked a little bit about our predictions. Right, yeah. Back after the first trailer, before right. the, the second trailer basically seems to have shown us the whole movie in two minutes. And, and the parts that we didn't get in that, we saw in all the behind-the-scenes videos they released. And everything else. So do we even really need to see the movie at this point? Do we have to go? Because they've put it all on YouTube, right? You may not have to go. I haven't seen any of the behind-the-scenes stuff because I now avoid those kind of things on a movie that I'm interested in because, well, they spoil too much. And I'm one of those people that remembers things from trailers and stuff. For instance, when The Rocketeer came out, I was spoiled by the trailer which I'd seen, I don't know, three, four, six months earlier or whenever, because I remembered the climactic scene at the end of the trailer, which just happened to be the end of the climax in the movie. So right. it was like I spent the whole movie waiting for it, and then it was like, wait, you just you showed me the end of the movie? You know? <laughs> it's like yeah. it's like if the trailer for Citizen Kane told you what Rosebud was, right? So, and let's not spoil that for anyone that doesn't know, but it's, <laughs> it's almost the same kind of thing. And so I've taken to avoiding movie trailers online and extras and all that kind of stuff. 
just for that reason. But the trick is, I see a lot of movies. I mean, my wife and I, we'll go into the movies as one of our things. So we're constantly in the movies seeing trailers. So we see whatever trailers are in the movies. And the Mummy trailer has come up two or three times in the last month or so that we've gone to the movies. So it's like, oh, here we go again. And, and it really feels like all the stuff that was intriguing in the teaser, they have now explicitly showed us how it all pieces together, which is a bummer. You know what? I think what I'm going to do actually is I, I am going to take this part of the conversation of a recording, and I may end up playing it next week. Oh, cool! So, so I may end up playing this before the mummy comes out. So, consider this the the final thoughts on the mummy before we saw the mummy. So, for me, I've seen the trailers. I've seen. I, I feel. I don't want to say I feel a responsibility to the podcast or anything to watch all these things, but you know, I've been watching them just. I'm, I'm, desperately curious as to how they're going to pull this off and make this work and you know i'm reading the interviews and and reading the articles and the opinion pieces like the one Uh i posted in the facebook group uh, earlier this week which i I thought was full of wild blueberry muffin (laughs) 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 i I did not like that (laughs) i thought that was a terrible article i thought well this guy's a jerk (laughs) yeah i mean he's an opinion writer listening but oh i'm Sure, yeah, no idea who we are. Even though I tagged him in the piece, I, I have no idea who we are. Uh, he he's somebody who writes for Forbes uh, online, and it was an opinion piece. You know, his opinion about how these monsters are too long in the tooth and fang, and you can't really do anything with them anymore, right, and that yeah, sort of thing. Except kind of make fun of them and and be sly about it. It led to some interesting points and conversations in the Facebook group, yes, both yay and nay, and and helped me understand actually the viewpoint of another Monster Kid Radio regular. Uh, not not to call him out too much, but. He made it pretty clear Scott Morris is not looking forward to these films, uh, to The Mummy anyway. And, and you know, the way he kind of articulated that, I finally got it because I was really having a hard time understanding, well, Scott, come on, man. You, you don't know. But no, I get it now. And I get Scott's point of view. But the guy who wrote this piece for Forbes, I went back and I looked at his Facebook page and his previous articles for Forbes. And I don't want to call anybody names. But there seems to be some extended trolling happening here a little bit with this guy. <laughs> he, he seems to be pretty negative about a lot of things. Oh, you like this thing about pop culture? Let me tell you why it's terrible. Right. And, you know, I just wonder if maybe that kind of is his shtick. Way too much of that going on in society and fandom in general. And, and oh, podcasting. That's one of the things that I try really hard not to do here on MKR. Right. Is every movie is somebody's favorite. Right. And, you know, that's why I've always danced around the MST3K thing is I know some people love it and I know some people hate it. And I'm one of the people that loves it. I love MST3K. We're going to see them live next month. They're going to be playing live here. And I know that there are a number of MKR folks who listen, who have been on the show that are going to go see them live here. I, depending on what day of the week it is and what movie they're talking about, I'm, I'm kind of back and forth. I'm dead set in the middle. I don't think I'm ever going to do the official Monster Kid Radio MST3K roundtable because I don't want to have that negative versus positive thing that happens and, and have people arguing and all that. Right. And, you know, feed, feedback about it. You mean your thoughts? Fine. But, you know, I'm not interested in setting up a, a, a negative or a hostile Right. Yeah. We don't have to debate about it. I mean, no. uh, I enjoy them. I think uh you know i think joel is kind of a genius and i think that he invented this art form does not then give permission to everyone in the world to do it which i think is is the the problem that a lot of people have with it is that it's created kind of this atmosphere where the people feel they can talk to the screen but i'll tell you one of the ways i defeat that is by going to early showings of a movie 
because usually on the first showings, the people that show up are the people that really want to see the movie, not the people that want to make fun of it. So that that applies for all new movies and uh, old movies to some extent as well. Though usually, you know, it's harder to see old movies now. And when you do, it's often people that are really interested in them. So what one can hope i still hear horror stories about what happened when they showed the tingler here at the hollywood theater last year and how everybody was laughing at it and not really giving right. any respect and, and that that i'm glad i didn't go i ended up backing out when they didn't get the the seat buzzers in right they gave people an opportunity to back out and give them their money back i was like you know i love the movie but i was gonna go for the for the gimmick and right. no gimmick thanks for my money back guys <laughs> uh but but I, i've heard it was terrible because of all that and i just you know, and, and man, no, it's, it's okay. hard to, you know it's hard to yeah. enjoy a movie that other people are making fun of. Um, yeah, let's you just, know, yeah. it's hard to enjoy a movie where people are commenting that uh, that don't like the movie, and so I can see that 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 would be a, can be a problem with MST3K if you're in the wrong frame of mind or whatever. We watched one of the new season shows, and uh, spoiler alert: it was the uh, the the land that time forgot. The other day, my wife and I are watching these together, and because uh, she she's not as uh, a real monster kid, she's more of a sci-fi girl and a fantasy girl. But she likes MST3K. We watched it when our kids were just born and that kind of stuff, so we have great memories of it. And we watched uh, the Land of Time Forgot on MST3K, the new version. And at the end of it, she said to me, "Well, that wasn't really a bad movie." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, I know." <laughs> It's the one that we've hit this season that has been, you know, I love Reptilicus, but I also know it's not a very good movie, but I still love it. But that one, The Land of Time Forgot, that's actually a good movie. <laughs> it, it may not be a brilliant movie, it's not a Harryhausen movie, but it's a good movie. And, and that's going to happen occasionally, and you kind of just kind of got to roll with the punches then, I think, with MST3K when they do that, or they do Revenge of the Creature or whatever, and just say, okay. So, well, you know, they're doing shtick on a film that I really like. Like, you know, you always mentioned The Silent Earth. And what are you going to do at, at that point? You've got to go, okay, all right. I, I, we agree to disagree, and maybe there will be some funny stuff in this. And there was some funny stuff, and they're riffing on that. But, again, I think it works better when the movie isn't quite so good. And that's probably about as close as we're going to get to uh, an MSC3K roundtable here on the show, <laughs> just Steve and I talk. Because, again, I, and, and right. I'm not saying I don't want to talk about it and I don't want to hear about it. I mean, listeners, if you have comments, that's fine. Send it in. But I, I just, like I said, I don't want to have the negative snarky. I mean, I feel like. Right. There's no, there's no reason to go, go further. Right. But getting back to the trailer. For yeah. The let's mummy. talk about the mummy. Yeah. The mummy real quick. Yeah. Um, I'm still looking forward to seeing it. I'm me too. Me too. Disappointed that they seem to have shown me the whole film, uh, because one of the joys of film is to go and be surprised by it. I'm from the old kind of well, give me a give me a tease, give me a mystery, and then set me loose in the theater and, and see what happens. So aside from that, though, all the pieces I'm seeing of the Mummy, it's an it's going to be an action monster film, you know, and I think it's going to be more serious than the Stephen Summers. Mummy films, the first of which I liked, and the third of which I liked, and the second of which, not so much. So I think it's going to be a little more serious. Well, I got to stop you there, man, because the second of which gave us the Scorpion King. Come on now. <laughs> I actually like the Scorpion King movie. Oh, no, no. I'm talking about the amazing CGI at no, the end I of that. No. <laughs> I, actually, I, was, I actually like the Scorpion King movie better than I like the the mummy movie in which the scorpion king first hey, is the scorpion king is that kind of where the rock really became the big hollywood guy 
I think so. I think that was the first one, yeah. wasn't it? Huh. Yeah, that's kind of the kickoff to his career is is you get to see me briefly and then you get to see a CGI version of me that always looks a little cross-eyed. <laughs> I, I, th- I find that interesting because of the rumors now that The Rock's being eyed for the Wolfman in the Dark Universe stuff. Oh, really? I didn't. He- I hadn't heard that. That's kind of... Spoiler! I'm one of these people who I really like The Rock. I, I enjoy pretty much every film I've seen him in. I haven't seen all his films. But well, he's, he's charismatic. I oh, mean, yeah. He, no, he, I and mean, he's, he's enjoyable to watch. Right, exactly. And that's, that's what makes a movie star. You know, there's, there's a difference between movie stars and great actors. And sometimes they overlap. You know, so Bogart was a movie star who's a great actor. But then there are people like, oh, I'm going to single out John Wayne, who, who had some great acting moments. But John Wayne was more of a movie star in that you were going to see John Wayne in this picture. And a lot and of not people, necessarily him as Genghis Khan. And not him as Genghis <laughs> Khan, right? <laughs> Which was the, the subtitle of a, a book about movies that uh, a friend of my brother's, a late friend of my brother's wrote that was starring John Wayne as Genghis Khan and other Hollywood casting mistakes or something like that. Anyway, right. but the, the point is that people were going to see him. And I, in some ways, I think The Rock is the same way. I do think he can act. Oh, but, sure. But it's the movie star thing that he really, you know, I mean, God, the man is charming, <laughs> and, and you know, and if you're uh, if you're of such a persuasion, he's really handsome, and he's funny too. Anyway, so him as the Wolfman, it could be good. That's what I've heard, but then didn't Baywatch just bomb? So who knows at this point? Oh, is he in that? Yeah, I didn't even know that he's in that. Yeah, he he's the lead. Him okay. and Zac Efron. Well, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Don't get me going about modern comedies or comedies based on serious television shows that's uh well okay wait wait are you saying baywatch was a serious television show in a in a sense i mean it wasn't a comedy you know it's it's not just because it's a popcorn flick doesn't mean it (laughs) doesn't mean it's not a serious flick you know know, hey no i I set you up for that one because i totally agree i feel like there's this trend in hollywood when we want to bring a tv show from the past a beloved tv show from the past that was you know, serious at the time to make it as a film and then to kind of goof it up and make it a comedy instead. Right. Yeah. I, I, I do disagree with that philosophy. Ruined the green Hornet. You know, I mean, there's some stuff in the green Hornet that's worth watching, but none of it is the comedy stuff. Yeah. Let's like, ha ha. Let's look at the funny. No, it's, it's only funny because of, yeah, no, no, don't, don't. Isn't it hilarious that people once took this seriously? No. Right. Right. I'm thinking, (laughs) what was the, uh, what was the one with, uh, uh, Ben Stiller? Wasn't, was it Ben Stiller? Uh, 70s action TV cop show. Starsky and Hutch? Yeah. But but in any case, uh, generally I think that's a bad idea. You know, yeah. in the same way that the... Have you seen the Land of the Lost movie? No, but again, that's another one of those things, right? Where it was... I mean, it was a fantasy kids show. Right. And it's, but it and wasn't, so, ha ha, let's make fun of it. You know, it was... It's uh, a really good fantasy kids show done right. the best of the budgets at the time they made it. With exactly. Like David Gerald writing it, serious science fiction people working on it. And he's an amazing writer and a friend on Facebook and an amazing writer. I right, mean, yeah. But then they take the, the show that he was the showrunner of and they make it a comedy. It's yeah. like if you took all the production budget that went into that and and you pull – I think it was Will Ferrell that was in it. And if it's not, I, I apologize. You pull him out and you put – make it a decent, serious film. It has all the pieces. Yep. But anyway, so coming back around to The Mummy, 
It doesn't bother me. talking about here? Yeah, it was. <laughs> it doesn't bother me that it it seems to be more serious than the the Brendan Fraser mummy. In fact, I, I think that may be really good. And I have a history of liking Tom Cruise films. I think his action films are excellent. And I actually think he was really funny in Night and Day as well. So I'm I'm still looking forward to it. I wish I hadn't seen quite so much of it. But once I see it, then I'll go back and I'll talk to you and I'll find out all the behind-the-scenes stuff I, I missed and, and probably check it out. You know, if I like a movie, there's a great joy in going back and seeing all all the stuff, even if it's not a perfect movie. You know, I like Peter Jackson's King Kong. It's not a perfect movie. It's not nearly as good as the original Kong. But I like it enough that I really enjoyed going back and watching all his video diaries and his behind-the-scenes stuff and all that kind of stuff. And I kind of expect that this is going to be the same way with this mummy movie. And if it's a, a good action picture, I'm hoping to just go in and take it on its own terms, not on the terms that they're trying to sell it to me or on the terms that I might expect as, you know, a longtime monster kid who's right. writing a classic monster rally story in Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors. You know, it's obvious where my allegiances lie. And if they came to me, what kind of work I would be saying, yes, here's what we're going to do with the, the dark universe. Is that what they're calling it? Yeah. Dark universe. And that's a whole nother thing that I mentioned on Facebook as well, that there's now talk about DC suing over this. Excuse me, Warner brothers suing over the name dark universe, because apparently that's what they were calling parts of their comics. Really? Uh, the justice, the justice league dark and their supernatural stuff. They were starting to call it dark universe. And now they're like, Hey, but universal solar thunder. But if you look, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. It, it is universal. <laughs> calling well, and, their and thing thing. A dark universe. Right. It seems to me that their universal trademark may be a longstanding one. Okay. So universal. Yes. But I mean, and that's, that's what I was going to say. Do the research. Universal has had Dark Universe as a trademark since 2014. Well, there you go. Right. Which, which, so first of all, so they've been planning for a while, but doesn't that blows my mind that, that that's the case because when they came up with the name Dark Universe, it felt like it was just something they threw together at the last minute. Now, it's been in the works since 2014. Dark Universe LLC, their little, their, their branch to make uh-huh. these movies, has been an entity since like 2011. So they've had this name in the hopper for quite some time. Right, yeah. And yeah, it's like, uh, let these big corporations bash their heads out. And I, I don't care in some sense what they call it. I would have probably called it the Monsterverse. <laughs> well, they can't because that's what Godzilla and company took. Oh, right, which I right, think, yeah. And they should, for me, they should have called that the Kaijuverse. But, right, you know, yeah, whatever. Or, well, not Monsterverse. With something, but not not giant Monsterverse. I don't know. Yeah. But, let these big corporations bash their brains out over this kind of crazy stuff. Let's just go and see the movie and see if it's any good. And that's that's where I'm at on the movie right now. And I'm looking forward to it. I like all the pieces I see. I wish they hadn't shown me quite so many pieces because now I'm. chances are there will be something from that trailer that I'm waiting for until the last five minutes of the movie, right? <laughs> See, there's still a part of me that really, really hopes, and man, I hope I'm not getting too spoilery here or too fortune telling. Maybe I'm, I'm on point. There's the bit in the trailer where they're in the plane and they get attacked by the bats, right? Right. I still really want that to be the very end of the film and the lead into. <laughs> well, no, I mean because I want that to be the end and how we uh, see maybe Dracula turn up or something. Right. Yeah. That that they're all on their way out and you know everybody's fine and they're just getting taken home by the army or whatever and then. 
Are you Dracula sure attacks bats? fade out. I I don't know. I wanted to be bats. I I, I thought it was black crows because uh, or blackbirds of some kind because that's well that would make more sense more Egypt, Egyptian yeah. right yeah yeah. So. We'll see. You know, you're right. It's not bats, because if it was Dracula, it'd be a big fist of them. Right, right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had to chuckle. I think it was this last week. You had the call-ins, and, uh, and yeah. I think it was Christmas McMillan or someone said the fist of bats. And I don't remember if I was the first person that ever said fist of bats. But On the show, yes, but it's a very <laughs> common thing. Uh- <laughs> right, well, what else are you going to call it? You know, it's like, yeah. Oh, man. So, again, that's a movie I can enjoy on its own terms, but as a setup. Uh-huh. I'm really glad they jettisoned it because when you can destroy an army with a fist of bats, what's your next challenge, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. I think, uh, Kenneth Height, who's an author and game designer, uh, also mentioned it in his book. I think it's called the trail of Dracula, the thrill of Dracula, excuse me, which is actually a really good little book that has a little bit of role-playing game material in it, but it's, it's his tracking of the various Dracula films. And it's just really interesting. I, I keep meaning to have Ken Hyde on the show. He does a podcast with Robin Laws called Ken and Robin. Mm-hmm talk about things is that what it's called i can't remember yeah, i don't know i haven't heard it but yeah but no he's a great guy i've met him at the lovecraft film festival a few years you mentioned cushing's chamber of horrors and, and i think that's my biggest concern for me with the mummy and dark universe and you know it's not just me and it's not just you uh, another and i don't know if he's listening to this episode or not but another writer friend of mine by the name of richard scott crawford posted on facebook Uh, Just yesterday, and I'm just going to read straight from his Facebook wall, but I suppose my biggest beef with Universal's Dark Universe Extended Universe, bringing back all the old classic monsters like Frankenstein's monster, the creature from the Black Lagoon, and so on, is that my plan to write stories based on those characters will be seen as derivative of that and not of the originals as they are meant to be. (laughs) Yeah, that's why I started mine a year ago. (laughs) Right? And if I was smart, I would have had mine out by now, or at least the first one of mine out by now. So I totally get it, man. Yeah, there's, and that happens all the time. There's, um, well, I mean, I've talking out of school and plans and stuff. I've had a female mummy story in in the hopper in my plans for twenty years now. Yeah, we've years. talked about years. <laughs> you've had a female mummy character in a role playing game session, and I'm betting that has something to do with it, it right? I it mean, it's does. something that's been in your brain for a long time. <laughs> it does exactly from back back in the chill days when we were doing creature feature. There was a you know. A, we had female mummies in that, and I ran a pretty ruthless one because you got to play the monsters. So that idea has been in my brain since 1985, six, <laughs> something like that. And then I actually had a story planned with a female mummy. Uh, aside from the one that I'm working on right now and the, the one that I kind of did for the Canoe Cops versus the mummy for 20-something years at this point because it's part of a different story series that I – just well it's a long story it's part of the frost Arrow universe and when it comes out now which it eventually will people are going to think oh he got that from universal it's like no universal got that from me <laughs> oh is that it <laughs> well you never know i mean a lot of people like you who are working on these things now were influenced by the work we did on chill in the early 1980s and so you know through that filter and some of it is just the zeitgeist some of it's the idea is in the air, and it's who picks it out of the air. Like uh-huh. when when uh, Michael Crichton wrote Jurassic Park, I was uh, I was going somewhere with Bill Willingham, who's the creator of Fables and other comic books and stuff. Bill and I were going somewhere, and the news had just hit that the novel Jurassic Park was going to come out, and it was about dinosaurs being revived by finding them in amber and stuff. And both 
Bill and I, we looked at each other and we went, oh, crap. <laughs> I was going to write that idea because it had been kind of circulating in the science news stories. And so a lot of people were thinking about it. And Crichton, who, you know, apparently was a fairly fast writer, just he struck first. And there you go. So these things happen. Sometimes it's zeitgeist, some, but sometimes it is influence. You know, it wouldn't surprise yeah. me if, if one of these guys had played chill way back in the day and, and the uh, creature feature had been their favorite thing. We'll see. But I'm hoping. Yeah, I'm hoping I mean, we'll see. Good. I'm hoping it'll be a good action movie, and I'm hoping it'll have a, enough horror elements that I feel like it can go, uh, it can go further. And I'm hoping that we're not going to have that fist of bats moments where it's like, well, if the mummy can do this, how is the mummy ever going to fight the creature from the black lagoon or the Frankenstein monster or whatever, you know, the Frankenstein monster is what is he going to summon thunderstorms now to fight the, the, uh, the glowy face in the, the fog cloud, <laughs> sand, whatever. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. It was interesting that someone in the conversation online said that, you know, that they're probably putting things in like that because for a lot of people, Brendan Fraser's The Mummy is The Mummy now, not Karloff yeah. and Lon Chaney Jr. and Tom Tyler. And I thought, oh, well, I hadn't really thought about that before. But That's the reference point because, I mean, let's be honest. The studios are not making movies for you and me, Steve. I mean, we probably no, have more disposable income than a lot of the kids, right. but, you know, they're not making movies for us. Nope. And they never have. They're yeah. Basically never well, happened. They did when we were much younger. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they make they make movies for an age range, not for the actual consumers right. the same way. They're always shooting for that, you know, that late teen, early twenties, you know, date night kind yeah. of graphic. And yep. it's, but it's always been that way. Yep. You know? So we'll we'll just have to see. I'm we'll see. I'm optimistic. There we go, me too. Mostly because, you know, as I said, I've liked everything Tom Cruise has, has done recently. Uh, at least to some extent. So my trepidation about Universal is somewhat balanced out by my optimism about Tom Cruise. And and as I think you noted on the show, I'm completely able to separate his personal life from his movie work. And, and I think you got to do that to, to a great extent with creators. Because uh, a lot of creators, if you look if you look behind the curtain, <laughs> don't look behind the curtain. If you look behind the curtain, they're bastard people. <laughs> I know, right? I mean, having to get to know you over the years, I've had to separate you from the. No, I'm just kidding. I know. I'm just, just, <laughs> I am just Mr. Hyde behind this curtain. So No, that's Russell Crowe. Uh, anyway. Anyway. So <laughs> CushingHorrors.com. That's where you're going to want to go for Steve's stuff, his ongoing project. I've been playing the promo for that off and on over the past, well, however long he's been running it. Check it out. If you're into classic monster movie mashup monster rallies, you got to go to the source. You got to go to the monster kids who love these stories. You know, Eric brought up a really, really interesting point. And I do get some of this from Steve's stories as well. And some of my favorite monster rally type stories and movies, I, I get this. Eric's point was that with these classic universal monster movies, it's less about how do you defeat the monsters and, and the world's reaction to the monsters. It's, it's less about that and more about the monster's reaction to the world. And, and I love that. And I think that is spot on. As much fun as a monster rally is, House of Dracula, House of Frankenstein, that sort of thing, the emotional connection is Larry Talbot. It's the Wolfman and him trying to get through the world despite this monstrous curse upon him. And Eric mentioned Creature as well. So, 
you know, Eric's instantly one of my favorite people. Um, but yeah, again, that's that's the creature's reaction to the world, and that's why I think the creature walks among us. The second sequel to that film, the third film in the creature series, is underrated because there's so much going on here with the Gill Man and what happens to him and how he's trying to deal with that. And then there's this really cool kind of B story happening with the people as well. But yeah, I mean. Are we going to get that with the mummy? I, I don't know. We'll see. Fingers and tentacles crossed. We end up with something decent. I think the negative reviews are probably why Universal is suddenly, oh, wait, wait, we've got the hunchback. Oh, wait, wait, we've got Phantom of the Opera. And then just today, and I'm recording this Wednesday night, earlier today, I watched a YouTube video in which somebody was saying that Universal has formally announced that, yes, Dracula will turn up at some point. Didn't say it was Dracula untold. I think they're still saying that's not part of it. But Dracula may very well turn up at some point as well. We'll see. I keep thinking about that photo that came out. It might have been through Entertainment Weekly, in which we see Russell Crowe, Javier Bardem, you know, Tom Cruise, Johnny Depp, and the woman whose name I'm going to mispronounce, but the mummy character, striking a pose. Look at that photo. Russell Crowe's hand seems weird. There's something off there. Like it's holding a staff or a cane leaning on a stick but the stick itself was photoshopped out how cool would it be if that's the wolfman cane and they just photoshopped it out i mean that just would be kind of neat right just anyway we'll see american international presents the land that time forgot an astounding motion picture based on the book by edgar rice burroughs Travel through an underwater passage and discover an awesome prehistoric world. Fight for your life against the terrifying creatures of a lost continent. It's action, danger, and adventure on an epic scale. The land that time forgot. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Baby, dance, come and dance with me. Hear the beat of the mountain sea. Ride, baby, ride, come and ride with me. Let your feet go easy. make of this where does the other end go it dumps into the ocean it looks exactly like the south american fantigua fish i hope you can take one alive sheriff i still believe that a human clawed that girl to death the beach girls and the monster starring john hall sue casey and the glamorous Watusi dancing girls from Hollywood's famed Whiskey-A-Go-Go nightclub. Music by Frank Sinatra, Jr. You got a monster in the third. Jinx, do you have a problem? You won't have after you meet the monster on the beach. If you see this ghoul, play it cool. Beauties in bikinis, laughing, singing, surfing, sinning. Beach party lovers making hey hey in the moonlight while the monster waits and watches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one will kill you. Out of the darkness of the ancient past, out of the dust of centuries and the inscrutable silence of the unknown come two new adventures in shock and suspense on one sensational motion picture program. The, the mummy. mummy. Plus Curse of the Undead. Fear will freeze you when you face The, the mummy. mummy. 
It tears steel bars like paper. It snaps men's spines like matchsticks. It walks through bullets like a ghost. Wakened from the darkest tomb of the pharaohs, it stalks the earth with strangely human desires. The mummy. And on the same program, Curse of the Undead. The haunting story of a faceless fiend who drained the young and beautiful of life. Together on one program, Curse of the Undead, and in chilling technicolor, The Mummy. That brings us to the end of this episode of Monster Kid Radio. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading the show and sharing the posts on Facebook and retweeting the tweets. And wow, I said that in one take. Thanks for doing all of that and just participating in the Monster Kid Radio online community. We have a few places where you can do that, but I focus mostly on Facebook. We have a Facebook page and a Facebook group. You can find links to that over at monsterkidradio.net or just search for Monster Kid Radio on Facebook. Like the page if you don't mind and join the group. We'll have some conversations and I'm sure as soon as more of us get a chance to see The Mummy, we'll talk about it there. We'll talk about previous episodes on the show as well. Or you can do what Eric did and call and talk about some previous episodes. Our voicemail line is 503-479-5657. That's 503-4795-MKR. Or you can email us at monsterkidradio at gmail.com. Again, that's all over at the website as well as a link to our Patreon page where you can become a patron of Monster Kid Radio and help support the show that way. There's links to every song that's appeared here in the show. Just everything you need to know about the podcast, it's right there. Monster Bash is coming up. I mentioned it at the beginning of the show. I want to mention it again. It's coming up here in a couple of weeks. I'm going to be there. Thanks to Jeff Owens, Rich Chamberlain, and I found out that Anthony Wendell was part of the campaign to get me there as well. He contributed, so thank you to all three of you, as well as everybody else who was involved in that. I cannot wait to meet everybody that's going to be there. I was talking with Scott Morris earlier today. He, he's going to be there as well. I was talking with Scott Morris earlier today, and I'm excited to meet Veronica Carlson. I'm excited to meet the teenage Frankenstein and you know the second teenage werewolf guy. That's going to be great. Bert I. Gordon, that, that's amazing. But I am most interested and excited to meet my fellow Monster Kids, Monster Kid Radio listeners, B-Movie Cast listeners, friends that I've made over the years through Monster Kid Radio and through Monster Bash. Frank J. Delostrito is going to be there. He's doing a presentation. He's got a new book. He's somebody I've become friends with over the years thanks to Monster Kid Radio. Dwight Kemper, Joshua Kennedy. I think Christopher Page is going to be there. There's so many people, and I cannot wait. I'm so excited. I'm waving my arms around and my hands around, and my wife's kind of making fun of me a little bit over in the other room as I wave my arms around in excitement. I need to stop and bring this show to an end. So thank you for listening. Come back next week. We've got a new voice on the show. We have got my friend Tim Durbin coming to the show, and we're going to be talking about the 1932 film, The Most Dangerous Game. I would normally play a trailer for that movie right here, but I haven't been able to find an official trailer for this film, which isn't uncommon when it comes to genre films from the 30s. There just doesn't seem to be a lot of trailers out there that either survived or... I just can't find them. Anyway, the most dangerous game produced by the guys behind King Kong, and it looks awesome. I can't wait to talk with Tim Durbin about it. Tim, you might know from the website, Viewing the Classics. I'll make sure there's a link to that in the show notes as well. Between now and then, remember that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license. Of course, it doesn't apply to the song Atomic Surf. That is on the album Tsunami by the surf band The Old Jack. They're a surf band based out of Pindamonhangaba, Brazil. Check them out over at their Bandcamp page, which is surfmusictheoldjack.bandcamp.com, and let them know that you heard about them here on Monster Kid Radio. Talk to everybody next week. I'm Derek M. Cook. 
Ciao.